Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose Views. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Good Thursday morning, everybody. This is Richard Chu. This is Chu's Views. Wake up, wake up. We are here. Henry and I are here, so y'all should be here too. The number is 773-763-9278. Excited to be here this morning with you guys, as always. And as we go forward, going to bring more and more uh, great topics to talk about. And um, today we'll have a guest caller. Uh, We're going to chat a little bit about um, this Project 2025, which you guys need to be aware of. And there's a couple other um, groups that are out there that are clearly lining themselves up to not only destroy our democracy, but set it back. I mean, so I guess that would kind of be in the same sentence. But um, so we're going to have Karen from Chicago calling in. A little bit later this morning, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Project 2025. We also are going to lean into a couple of areas that some legal groups have put put together, organizations uh, that are also funded. As you may know, um, Project 2025 is funded by the Heritage Foundation and the groups that uh, I'm going to identify because of some of the research that I've done are uh, partially funded by the Heritage Foundation. So um, we're going to cover a few things like that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some black history items. And um, uh, I got my little laundry list of things I want to run down with you guys. But I uh, hope everybody's having a good morning to start. If you're up and going, that's great. And we want you to give us a holler at 773-763-9278. So Lots going on in Chicago right now, or Chicago and in, in the area. As you guys know, it's February, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Chicago Auto Show will be rolling again. Um, I think it begins, I'm pretty sure it starts this Saturday, and will be rolling through till um, February 19th at McCormick Place. That is a staple Chicago thing. It is the largest auto show in North America, and it has continued to be the largest auto show in North America, which is super cool. I mean, Chicago's a Chicago's a blue-collar town with a bunch of white collars as well. So we're kind of a, I don't know what the blend would be. We're a bluish, whitish-collar town. And the automotive industry is had, and has been a big, big part of that. Um, we're a union town, and that's a good thing. I know that there's some folks who've had issues with how the unions have, have done their thing. But being, uh, when I say done their thing, how they've treated some of their members, but I like to stay on the positive. We're, we're a union town. We're a blue-collar-esque town with a bunch of white collars. Um, we've always been an industrial town, and we've progressed probably more than any of the other big cities when it comes to uh, manufacturing and being able to sustain ourselves and then grow. We're, we're a financial town, um, and certainly we've got the financial markets here uh, that have uh, ebbed and flowed, but we've always been one of um, the most powerful cities in the country, if not the world, when it comes to our um, our trade uh, and I, I'm talking about our financial trade market. So Chicago Auto Show, um, there uh, was a debate uh, with regard to the, the Cook County State's Attorney. That's happening. Um, we've got um, a couple of uh, local 
events that are happening with uh, a few new shops that are opening up. A couple that are, a place uh, down in Chatham called Mahalia's. It's a new shop. Um, and it's, uh, was opened by, um, entrepreneur, local entrepreneur, um, Maisha Miles, uh, which is offering vendors an opportunity to bring their goods in, um, uh, kind of an artsy place down in Chatham. And, um, <clears throat> my good friends over at Black Lion, um, retail store on South Michigan Avenue, uh, 2422 of South Michigan Avenue, right next to where the old, um, Chicago Defender building was located at 24th in Michigan. Um, really cool store. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna at some point become one of our supporters here of this show. But, um, if you guys are out and about in the next uh, couple of days with this weekend, you might want to poke your head into, uh, Black Lion on, um, 24th in Michigan. Really cool spot. You can find pretty much anything for your home decor there that you'd like to, to see. Uh, good, good people that, that run that facility. Um, so let me, let me kind of give a quick rundown of some of the things that we're gonna, um, we're gonna wrap about today. Uh, obviously the Supreme Court is making their determination or we're gonna review the case as to if Donald, if Donald Trump is immune, uh, not immune, but if uh, we're, how we can go forward as it relates to him being on the ballot. The Supreme Court, in looking at that, is from what I researched, is using an old Civil War verdict that took place um, back during the Jefferson Davis days and the and and the post Confederacy. Um, and many people may not know this, but Justice at the time, the um, Chief Justice Salmon Chase, I believe it was. Um, was the one that determined the ruling that, um, that said that the court basically, um, couldn't, uh, they, they couldn't fully intervene in, in a, in a, in a, um, uh, in how a president's, uh, consideration should be meted out. The point is, um, we are, where we are right now as it relates to this upcoming, uh, review, I don't know how much of a decision is going to be made today or in the next few days. Um, what's important about that is um, it will it will impact like the decision in Michigan on the Ethan Crumbly case with uh, who who uh, killed his uh, four classmates and wounded seven others. It'll be a landmark case, and that's 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 kind of how I'm trying to circle around to this. Um, what the Supreme Court decides to do or not do, as it were. Um, will be landmark in its decision or its non-decision. So um, today is a pay attention day. Uh, today is a keep an eye on what's happening to some extent on social media and without a doubt uh, mainstream media because we're going to hear um, a part. We'll probably hear parts of that that litigation. So just uh, you guys kind of stay plugged in. All of us, um, as I'll call us, progressive heads. Um, but as we talk about what's happening with our folks um, in Washington. <laughs> As I shift from what's happening here, Henry, in Chicago and in the region, um, I know, by the way, before I do that, I have to say once again, our weather. Oh, yeah. I had a couple of people yesterday say to me, man, you, you, you sounded like the weatherman and the sports in the, and the sports announcer all in one because I talked a little about a little bit about Tiger Woods and the, and the PGA. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I, I look at myself as a as a center of a bullseye and dotted lines to issues that are going on that are relevant and then the connective tissue to what's happening politically and socially. So when I talked about Tiger and the PGA yesterday, the reference I was making is how that links to live, live golf and how 
you know, the feds, uh, the, the uh, <clears throat> folks in Washington, specifically the House and the Senate, were looking at, and I believe it was Chuck Schumer, what's the impact of Live Golf and their association with um, the, the royal family as it relates to um, human trafficking. So, girls going with the weather is, um, we got another plus 50 day. I hopped in the car this morning heading here. It's 51 degrees already. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's February 8th. So, I am not complaining, you know, I'm not complaining, but I will say, as we talked a little bit about weather yesterday and and our folks in California who are finally catching a little bit of a break, climate change is real, y'all. That's a social issue. It's, it's being handled by our politicians. Climate change is real. Um, and certainly, um, as I said, the, the geography and, and where we are in the United States and how our weather patterns, as I said yesterday, weather patterns as well have changed. So anyhow, um, jumping back from, uh, from weather to, uh, to, to what's happening in DC, man, oh man, oh man, here's the laundry list, Henry. Um, the phrase that's been used by, uh, mainstream media for a while of Democrats in disarray. Well, the Republicans are not just in disarray. I mean, they're, they're just bottoming out the last 72 hour hours, and, and I just have to say it this way. You know, first of all, the RNC is pretty, pretty much broke, you know, and, they, and they're broke financially and they're broken as it relates to an organization. Uh, Ronald McDaniel, Ronald McDaniel, I got to get that right, even though she doesn't want to use her Romney name. Did you do you know the story behind uh, why she doesn't use Romney in her name? I don't. What, why is that? OK, so uh, is it niece? She's a niece of Mitt Romney. OK. So when she was first um, ascending to the leadership role with the RNC, Donald Trump, as president, um, didn't like the fact that her name had Romney in it. So obviously Romney isn't, you know, completely always lined up with with uh, 45. Um, But in any event. He asked her, he told her, however it came down exactly. But the, the story is that he basically said to her, I need you to kind of take the Romney out of your name and, and come up with something else. Now, how much, how much, I would say that that's loosely true to, to exact percentages. I don't know. And to what level he actually said that, but you know that there are people that are around him that have bent themselves like pretzels to be around him. For what reason? We don't really know, but we can have some common sense. But yeah, her name's not, her name, she she adjusted her name. Let's say she changed her name. As I've read it, she adjusted her name to satisfy 45. That's so goofy. The reason I keep going back, I say 45 and I say, you know, I say uh, Trump. Um, I am really tired of... Republicans doing two things. And yesterday I, I, I saw this and just here, here's my position. First of all, Republicans have to stop referring to Democrats as Democrat. When we're talking about a Democrat, they say that the, the Democrat party rather than the democratic party. So large Marge tends to do that a lot. Marjorie green. Um, so they, they need to, they need to in the moment, call them out. Democrats do. So that I'm going to put that somewhat on Democrats. They need to do that in the moment publicly during, you know, one of the house uh, meetings or house sessions, I should say, call them out. Then stop calling us the Democrat party. 
Have you not paid attention? What is wrong with you? You want me to start calling you, you know, uh, large Marge? I mean, see, this is why I'm not, this is why I'm not an elected member of the House of Representatives. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, you know, uh, Representative uh, Jasmine and I would be, um, and, and Representative uh, um, uh, from Brooklyn, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, uh, Jamal Bowman, and the three of us would be, you know, we'd be the three musketeers. <laughs> because I have a strong belief that the three of us would be readily calling folks out. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to kind of laundry list a few things that... Um, that I, that I looked at uh, yesterday that I think are important to our conversation. The number, of course, is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey, guys, we are back. Glad to have you with us this morning. The number is 773 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight. So, um, before we went to the break, I was talking a little bit about some of the uh, uh, things that are happening with the RNC. They are broken. They are broke and broken as a group. They're broken. This organization and as a or and from a financial standpoint, um, their money is running low. Forty five wants to tap into that. I read uh, a number, not a number, but a handful of things that said that he wants to take over the head be, and be the head of the DNC. I'm like, okay, go ahead. We'd love to see that because that'll be another business that he will crash and burn. So go ahead, uh, 45, you you take the the, the head of that. Um, as I said, Ronald McDonald, Ronald, <laughs> Ronald McDaniel. Yeah, I know. It's so, listen, Henry, don't you laugh at me. You know doggone well there's somebody that works at the DNC that called her Ronald McDonald. Oh, absolutely. You know that it's, it's absolutely, it, absolutely. phonetically <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue well enough to say it with ease. So I'm certain somebody is, I'm not the first. If I'm the first, my goodness. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, she's 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 uh, she's not going to be part of the entity much longer. Listen, the, we said yesterday the House of Representatives, the Republicans, and the House of Representatives can't get enough votes. And and let's be honest about this: that's their job is to be able to pull together their caucus, their members to vote in the direction that's the best that they see for the for the um, uh, the bills that they're bringing to the floor. And they didn't get it done. And it's it's awful to see that someone like Marjorie Green would be so callous and disrespectful, along with. Mike Johnson to say that because Representative Al Green was in was was about to have surgery in the hospital certainly made his way there via real wheelchair in his blue hospital gown to vote that that somehow was something uh, filled with trickery. It just goes to show. I mean, I'm just going to say it. You can't. This is the challenge that the Democratic leadership and elected officials have to be able to embrace. Some things are just flat out stupid. They're stupid to say they're irresponsible. And, you know, I'm I'm the dude that calls out what I like to say, the sun, the only the only on Sunday Christians. And so, you know, when 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 uh, we have Karen on in, in a bit, we're going to talk a little bit about how this ties into Project 2025. But these only on Sunday Christians that are in the House of Representatives um, need to be called out. For example, if a person is ill and they're getting treated for anything, I mean, I didn't see any of of. The Democrats who were voting on issues that um, that House Speaker Pelosi brought to the floor were making, you know, disrespectful comments. I'm trying to keep my language uh, clean, but making disrespectful comments about Steve Scalise when the shooting took place at the softball game. 
there, there weren't any Democrats going, oh, you know, Scalise is going to upset the apple cart because the Democrats didn't care about that as it relates to who's voting. They know that whoever shows up shows up. So Al Green showing up as he did, not to so-called save the day, but to let it be known that he was going to do what he needed to do to support his minority leader in Hakeem Jeffries. That was a bold move that showed the commitment. I want progressives to to push that conversation, not just that the Republicans can't count, but Representative Green, he did what he needed to do to get there to vote, to make sure that the Democrats were lined up properly on this issue. Now, if you really want to have a conversation about this large margin and uh, um, not magic Mike Johnson, let's have a conversation about the fact that three of the members of your uh, your caucus, you know, didn't even vote. With you, that's the, I mean, before you try to go clean up somebody else's house, clean up your own. So, for example, there were the, the three, the three representatives, um, Republican representatives that, that voted against it were Representative Ken Buck from Colorado, Representative Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin, and Representative Mike McClintock from California. These are three GOP lawmakers that voted against impeaching um, a Secretary Mayorkas. Okay, you guys can do your research on them, but what I will tell you about each of these guys is that, and I don't mean that just to be gender specific, but these three men voted against voting uh, um, to impeach Mayorkas. And if you look at their trend line with their votes, they don't always just roll over with their belly in the air and say yes to everything that's voted. And they may ultimately vote for some of the, craziness that's come from the Republicans in the House. But they each have a little bit of a history of at least questioning the validity of what it is that the House is bringing to the table. And, you know, I think that when we talk about those uh, able to work with Republicans in the House or in the Senate, these are the types of people that have trended more in that direction. Again, I'm not trying to say that they voted in the direction that we needed them to, because at the end of the day, they're still Republicans and they're elected in Republican districts. But this is what I will tell you. These are the people that um, Nancy, uh, Nancy Pelosi was able to go to when it came to counting votes and say, which of the Republicans might we be able to count on that might support voting for this, this particular legislation. That's what counting votes is all about. Yes, it's about getting your party in line, Mike Johnson, which he didn't have him in line. And he might lose his, his, his position as speaker. But it's also about knowing the other side of the aisle well enough to see if there are people that might come across to vote with you on this particular legislation. So what, what his mistake was, his biggest mistake was not recognizing that 214 members of the House of Representatives that are Democrats were not going to support this this uh, legislation or this impeachment vote. That's where he missed. Yes, he didn't clean up, keep his own house clean, but he missed the fact that we got we've got to get this right because 214 people. There's nobody that's jumping ship from the from the from the Democratic side. So the fact that he missed that is is critically important. And then you know we go forward with the fact that now that they've got this. Um, 
they've got to do the work to try to figure out if they can pull these three guys in to get to the numbers that they need, which I think what may very well happen. And I'm just kind of looking at some of the the numbers and and which uh, uh, Republicans excuse me, may change their vote the next time around. If they bring it back and have it, Johnson said they're going to have another vote. If that happens and they have another vote, it's my observation that there might be a couple other Republicans in the House that may also vote no. Because they realize now that that vote is, is caustic as hell. First, secondly, because because it's in a, it's it's unnecessary. If you go through the list of what what's required from an impe- to impeach um, a cabinet member, the list is 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 pretty specific. And the four or five things that are at the top of the list, uh, rep, uh, not representative, but uh, Secretary Mayorkas has not committed. So, I think that now that that's out, and it's circulating in the conversation in the media left, right, and in the middle media, that there may be a few others that will jump ship. And I don't know who they might, who they would be, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go through the list of, of, um, Republican representatives who have had a little bit of a history of not always lining up to vote on certain things and see if, um, if in fact there could be additional ones. So that was a big deal. Uh, that's been a big deal the last uh, you know, 72 to 48 hours. Um, and I know we're going to hit a break, and I don't want to jump into two other things that I want to cover this morning because I, I know that we've got a, a guest calling in in a moment. But um, let's do that, Henry. Why don't we go ahead and hit and grab this uh, this break, and then when we come back, we will have uh, from here, right here in Chicago, my good friend and 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 political head um, Karen from Chicago, Karen Byrne, giving us a holler to chat a little bit about some things that she and I have been really keeping our eyes on the last few weeks. And that's, um, project 25. I know a few of you have already called in, uh, the number is seven, seven, three, seven, six, three, nine, two, seven, eight. This is choose views. And we will be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Welcome back, folks. Good to good Thursday morning to everybody. It's great to be here as always, and I am thankful for my man Henry, who is my new road dog Mondays through Fridays, helping me keep things in line. Um, so at the top of the show, I talked about one issue that some of you guys are aware of and others may not be so you know, my job is to kind of inform you on the things that I learn about and the things that I, I know are important and critical to where we go. Um, so uh, not to bury the lead, but we know that 45 getting back into office and becoming the 47th president, we know we've heard all the phrases, you know, end of democracy, um, you know, rights being removed, just a, the litany of things that he said he's going to do. Dictator on day one, the list goes on and on. And and along with that, you got to understand for, for for a president, for this particular former president, to execute those things, there has to be a certain um, bit of machinery behind him. Uh, there has to be tools behind him to pull off the, that kind of uh, destruction of democracy. And the thing that is really becoming a big issue and that everybody has to be mindful of and should help you understand even further than just the news clips and the sound bites from the media and the things that you see on social media 
is this this thing called Project 2025. So I want to bring on um, uh, my good friend Karen uh, from Chicago, Karen Byrne, to talk with me a little bit about uh, Project 2025 because both she and I have been leaning into this. And as you guys know, Karen is the um, podcaster along with her good friend, um, uh, Nita from, from, um, San Antonio of, uh, true blue. So Karen, welcome this morning. Good morning, Richard. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited and I'm also nervous because it is hard to, um, really condense down a 920 page document. Um, that is the playbook for Project 2025, um, which one of the key architects uh, is the, Har- uh, the Heritage Foundation. Um, and I'm kind of shocked that even well-informed voters do not know who the Heritage Foundation is, but they are a um, conservative American think tank um, that has, was um, started in 1973. And they, along with, I mean, hundreds of other uh, people have come together and put together um, this agenda for the next Republican president, and specifically Donald Trump. Right. I think the key, the key thing there is the next Republican president. So this is when mm-hmm. um, Eric, Eric Grant says this oftentimes on the family meeting. With with the way in which Republicans have performed and the, what they've done just since Donald Trump was installed, there should never be a Republican near the White House ever again. Yeah. And that's that's mm-hmm. speaking to the Republican Party, not just a singular individual. And Trumpism mm-hmm. is a, a, a fuel um, to to that message. So I want to I want to um, Karen just gave a quick uh, definition of who the Heritage Foundation is. You guys need to know who this group is. But let me tell you, Project 2025, and Karen and I have been bantering this back and forth, is a plan. Mm-hmm. Listen to this, you guys. 2020, Project 2025 is a plan to reshape the executive branch of the United States federal government mm-hmm. in an event in the event of a Republican victory in 2024. And as we just heard from Karen, the next whoever the next uh Republican president is mm-hmm. that's that's important to understand because they established this group and they've already been recruiting a large number of of um of conservatives in to to, to be in washington d c to replace the existing existing federal civil service workers and that's mm-hmm. because they've tried to label those folks as deep state. Um, to basically further their objectives about the Republican, uh, up, up to, to help further the, the um, objectives of the next Republican president. So, mm-hmm. you know, Karen, what are some of the people you may know? You, I mean, we're all familiar with these names, but people like Charlie Kirk of Turning Point, mm-hmm. um, yep. uh, the former, uh, what's the guy's name? Mark Meadows. Um, he's part of this organization. He's a senior partner Mm -hmm. with one of the groups, um, uh, Russell Voigt. I don't, I'm not pronouncing his name correctly. And then Mm -hmm. of course, uh, Crypt Keeper Jr. Stephen Miller, you know, and, and, and here's the thing about that. Uh, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Stephen Miller is also part of another group called American Legal First. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not, Karen. Have you, um, have you heard I of that am group? somewhat. I have heard of them. Yes. Well, it's headed by mm-hmm. Steve, by Stephen Miller. And to your point mm-hmm. about when when you said earlier, 
how important it is that everybody know not only who the Heritage Foundation is, but what they're behind. I mean, tell us a little bit more about what you see with Project 2025. Well, you know, specifically what they want to do is, as you said, um, you know, they want to, um, you know, coalesce and centralize the power um, of the executive branch. And they want to do away with the independence of these different organizations. Um, And so um, specifically, you know, Steve Bannon and Cash Patel um, were talking about how it's not just rhetoric, but this is absolutely what they want to do. And what one of their um, aims to do is um, implement the Insurrection Act day one. and um, then also um, go after weaponize these different um, law enforcement agencies to go after their political opponents and members of the media. And, of course, um, they named specifically President Biden and his family, President Obama and his family, and MSNBC specifically in this interview. Um, and also say that um, Cash Patel is one of the names that potentially could be appointed as the CIA director. So what we had in the first Trump administration was people saying, well, it's not going to be that bad. There are guardrails and there are people that know more about it. You know, there's already institutions put in place and people that know what they're doing. Right. And they're going to be able to kind of keep him on track and, and you know, from keep him on track from going down an authoritarian road. But this time around, with Project 2025, the plan is to make it so there are going to be, the heads will roll, and yeah. I'm afraid, well, you know, the- literally, and, and, you know, they will put in place a government full of Trump loyalists. Well, th- here's the thing, and I'll take the baton on that. To, just to your point about heads will roll, will roll, or um, one of their one of the things that's in their uh, their 920 page outline is to replace existing federal service federal civil service workers um, mm-hmm. that they want to then repl- they want to replace those folks with their sycophants, and then to to further that to show that they are serious. Mm-hmm. So we need to take them mm-hmm. serious is that they plan mm-hmm. on slashing the U.S. Department of Justice uh, funding yes. for, the, for, the, the, for the DOJ, dismantling mm-hmm. the FBI um, mm-hmm. and the Department of Homeland Security, which was created, not the FBI, but the Department of Homeland, Homeland Security was created under a Republican president, Bush. Too. Yes. yes. So, yep. so so let me let me just let me just press pause for a second. That's where those of you who are Bush supporters and, and that are that are uh, independents or soft Republicans, that's where you've got to pay attention because they're looking at mm-hmm. dismantling not things that Democrats have necessarily created or necessarily been the furtherers of. I mean, you know, Eric and I mm-hmm. talk about this all the time. We still have our slight, uh, you know, tongue in cheek on the FBI because they've done some dirty stuff. Historically, mm-hmm. as has the CIA, but this is a department, meaning that of the of Homeland Security, that was created under a Republican 
president. So Republicans mm-hmm. and independents, you all need to pay attention to what this project mm-hmm. 2025 is go- is trying to do. They want to eliminate uh, cabinet departments like the Department of Education and Commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's yes. that's why it's serious, y'all. It is not just hyperbole about, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Once again, the progressives are whining and upset because, you know, there there's a group that's doing something. No. The, their advisory board is is a is a a laundry list of some crazy a groups of people. I mean, I I, well, I looked at the the list of who their advisory board members are, and it's yeah. like some wackadoodle stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah, and so let me let me just say because it does sound like a conspiracy theory. I mean, you feel like oh my god, like I'm going down this rabbit hole with this, but it is it is absolutely one. 100% correct. And, you know, in, when we have um, the in America where you have groups of people that do not trust government because they have been basically programmed not to trust the need for governments. Um, and so basically to bring it home to people. If I may, um, I when I was looking into this for the podcast, True Blue Politics podcast with my co-host, Anita Ferguson, um, I went to um, globalextremism.org mm-hmm. and the way they define it, it is an authoritarian agenda that threatens civil and human rights rights and U.S. democracy, the far right's rise of authoritarianism, an organized plan to concentrate power. And they go on to say it's a robust governing agenda, bears the hallmarks of authoritarianism. It threatens American civil and human rights and our very democracy. The America that Project 2025 wants to create would involve a fundamental reordering of our society. It would greatly enhance the executive branch's powers and impose on all Americans policies favored by Christian nationalists regarding issues such as sexual health and reproductive rights, education, the family, the role of religion in our society and government. It would strip rights protections from LGBTQIA plus people, immigrants, women, People of color. It would dismantle much of the federal government and replace our apolitical civil service, as you were saying, with far right uh, partisans. It is already training in anticipation of a power shift. It would end attempts to enhance equity and racial justice throughout the government and shut down agencies that track progress on this front. Efforts to tackle issues such as climate change would be ended and politicized research produced to back the project's views on environmental policy, the evils of transgenderism, and women's health would take priority. So check this out. First of all, thanks for for, for bringing that that forward. They have a great website, and and repeat that again, Karen, because I I, I looked at, um, I reviewed their website. What's the name of it again? I just drew a blank. Uh, Global... um, Global extremism.org. Right. They, they've got a really, really good website um, on a lot, of artic- a lot of items that we all should be paying attention to. But in the mandate, they're, they're the, 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 some of the notable authors of this mandate for leadership, it's, again, it's a, it's a laundry list of, of nothing but, but guys. And the, mm-hmm. on, the, only, the only non-white male on the list, when I looked at the top, I think it's that they have like a, a keyboard of 15 or 18 um, people that are the noted authors and advisors from the Trump administration. This is what's crazy. Mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. of the top 20 advisors for, uh, or that are part of the advisory board for Project 2025 
are yes. all, uh, except for one person, Ben Carson, are all white men. Mm-hmm. They're all uh-huh. white men. And so I'm, yep. I, yeah, this morning, this Thursday morning, I am, I am putting that, that hammer down. These are white men that mm-hmm. for, for a number of years has seen the shift in our mm. society as it relates to, to, mm-hmm. to our demographics. And mm-hmm. this is their massive assembly of their wealth. Their privileged mm-hmm. wealth, their privileged lifestyle, mm-hmm. to maintain white male superiority in the United States of America. This is mm-hmm. what this is all about. I'm not going to um, mince any words about. Well, they want to, you know, keep things in order. They want to make sure we fix our borders. They want to make sure we fix our. Uh, econ- no, it's not. It has nothing to do with all of these cats that are on mm-hmm. there. There's actually, I think there's one person. Um, Diana uh, Roth, I think is her name. She's the only woman that's part of this this top fifteen. But anyhow, still. So listen, it's, it's, can I just say? So yeah, this is very scary stuff. Okay, but here, you know, Richard, and I'm just going to say this: the good news is that we still have time to sound the alarm. Right, we're about sound, Project we're, 2025. We're sounding right? it now. I just want the bigger media to take on that sound, and we have to keep passing and talking. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Karen. Yeah, no, no. So, but this is the thing, and I don't know about you, but like we, you know, I'm registered to vote. Um, Talk to family and friends, get them, impress upon them the need to get out, get registered to vote, go to vote.org, make sure that you're still registered to vote because what the Republican Party in this country are doing, they have had a long running campaign to purge likely Democratic voters Mm -hmm. from the voter rolls, specifically from key swing states, in order to hand over the Electoral College um, to Donald Trump in this case, right? So, you know, so this, this is it. And so, you know, and this is why I just have to say, when people talk about playing with their vote or not voting, in the upcoming election, in the general election, and specifically in 2024, what you are doing is you're handing over, essentially handing over power to a privileged few, wealthy, white, Christian, cisgender, perhaps, uh, men in this country that are protected. Yep. Okay? So there's no write-ins. No. There's no whatever. Love or hate President Biden, do not play Okay, we saw what happened in 2016 when we tried to warn everybody about the three to four Supreme Court justices that would be picked by the next president. And people decided to stay home and play with their vote. Okay, this is what we're up against, only it's way, way, way worse because we are that much closer to falling into authoritarianism. It's a structured it's a structured move to not just take over the federal government, you guys. This is where you have to pay close attention. It's a structured move to take over states' rights. You Mm -hmm. all are not hearing me. It is a structured Mm -hmm. movement to take over states' rights. So what that means for those who are in the cheap seats, that means that you live in a blue state, a blue city. That means that they will then say, well, we're going to cut off federal funding for damn near everything that goes to the state of uh-huh. Illinois, the city, the city of Chicago, and the greater Cook County, we're cutting off everything that's federally uh-huh. supported. So that means yeah. that your highways suddenly are a mm-hmm. tragedy. That means yes. that your 
um, federal offices that that the, uh, the the employment of federal employees in a in a local office of the federal government. So Chicago uh-huh. is a big Chicago is a big city that has a large employment of federal employees. That's gone. So imagine how that decimates the economy in the city of Chicago, Cook County, in the state of Illinois. When they take away that, I, I got to do my research on it, Karen, because I, I want to get this right. But I think that the federal government is the second largest employer in the city of Chicago, uh-huh. if not the greater Cook County. So, mm, look, look, okay, yeah. so, so think about, so for folks who say, oh, no, 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 this is just another Washington, D.C. thing that's going on. I don't have to, no. Karen's right. You cannot, mm-hmm. you do not have the luxury of throwing your vote away because you're not up, you're not, Mm-mm. you're not happy with, with President Biden not spoon feeding you every doggone thing that you say you want. You don't have that mm-hmm. option this time. And I'm going to talk a little bit yep. about that um, in the second hour. But Karen, listen, I greatly appreciate you calling in. I wanted to get your take on this. I know you and I have been talking about this the last couple of months. And mm-hmm. this is this is this is a uh, to Karen's point, the opportunity for us here to speak to the positive. I say this all the time. People, you all got to get registered to vote and you got to check your, yes. your your registration within inside of, of uh, 60 days of the election. You have to be prepared. Mm-hmm. This is all yes. hands on deck. This is, as I say in my promo, this is about all the players being dressed up, ready to go, get, get your shoes tight, get all your equipment ready to go, because we have to all lean in, push and pull in the same direction mm-hmm. at the same time. And it starts yep. with what Karen said, being registered to vote. This- Absolutely. And listen, if I may, check out to your listeners, check. All you have to do is Google Project 2025 Amazon. And you will be able to pull up this document. And it is a lot. But even if you just read through the foreword, you will get the basic gist about their promise to America. And go to globalextremism.org and listen to shows like uh, Choose Views and uh, go and listen to podcasts like mine, T-R-U-B-L-U, Politics Podcast, um, so that we can get well-informed, so that we can have articulate conversations with our friends and relatives and strangers, if you're like me, at the Target checkout about (laughs) the threat to our democracy, okay? So I love you. Thank you so much for having me on, Richard. I really appreciate all your work and what you do and uh, giving me an opportunity to come on. Absolutely, Karen. You'll be back. We appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time this morning. You guys, pay attention. Uh, Thanks, Karen, for calling. Have a great day. We are... We are... Um, we have an opportunity. It's sort of like we're at the, we're at the goal line and using a, a football analogy, but we're at the goal line and we have a chance to call a couple of different plays. And one of them is to take a conservative approach to if we're going to try to score or not. And the other one is, is to bring all, you know, all of our size and our energy and our power to the front line and, and just, you know, push that ball across the, uh, across the goal line. Um, and that's where we are right now. We do not have, the luxury of sitting at home. And I don't mean just voting. So the steps are simple. Right now, make sure you vote, you're registered to vote. Back that up 60 days out from the election. But in the meantime, you also want to be able to start pulling people in, getting people involved. You should, if you've got a family member or a friend or a business associate that's sloughing this off, rather than trying to convince them 
of what they should do by saying, oh, you have to vote, you have to vote, you have to vote. No, 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 no. You want to present it this way. So tell me what's going to happen if you don't vote. Do you realize? And, and throw 2020, Project 2025 in their face and say, listen, just do this research. You don't have to believe me. Just do this research. Check this group out. And you tell me that if you don't vote because you don't, you aren't getting what you want, everything spoon-fed to you by President Biden and the administration, tell me if this is what you would prefer to have. Would you prefer to have the inability to, to safely get to work, to economically and efficiently get to work, just because the federal government, with these knuckleheads in charge, have taken away the monies that need to be had to run the federal, to, to, to employ the federal employees here in the Chicago metropolitan area, or wherever you are listening to, to my message. You don't have that opportunity, guys. I know many people think that they do. I know many people think that they can sit back and kind of let things be what they are, but you, you, you just don't. And my job is to talk about that repeatedly beating the drum with both hands that we cannot allow ourselves to sit back. We have to get folks involved. You have to be at the tip of the spear. You have to get your family. I don't care how much they might. Um, you're not look, look, some people have said to me, well, I don't want to lose family member talking about politics. So, so like any change in life for years, most of my near about X number of years, I've been alive. People have said, you don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics when it comes to family and friends. That, those days are over with. Because we've seeded the ground. We've seeded the ground of not, by not talking about it. Somebody else is talking about it. And by the other folks talking about it, they're running the discussion. They're leading the conversation. We can't seed the ground any longer. If you don't want to talk about religion, all right, I'm, I'm fine. I'm cool with that. I respect that that's, but, but, but as it relates to politics and social issues, you don't, you, that's, that, that line is over with. Yes, you have to lean in and you have to, we as progressive liberal Democrats have to do that. That's one of our responsibilities now. I'm sorry, y'all, you don't just, just get to get up every morning and run off to work and enjoy hanging out with your friends and, you know, going and having your little, you know, whatever's. And you don't get to just take your kids to soccer practice on the weekends. And I'm sorry, this is who I am. This is my truth. And I don't say this to be offensive to not want to not anyone to anyone, not one person. Sorry, but to let you know how important this is. This is right now. At this time, you are in control of your own destiny by making sure that you are involved in this process and making sure that you are getting others involved in this process. As we go along with these shows, with my show and the others that are here on CPT, I personally am going to take it on to make sure that you are informed and have tools to use. We're going to hit a quick break. The number is 773-763-9278. I see you guys out there on hold. Uh, this is Richard Chu, and this is Chu's Views. You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Good morning again. It's the 7 o'clock hour of Choose Views. Thank you guys for paying attention and tuning in. 773-763-9278. We had uh, my good friend Karen Byrne on a moment ago talking about Project 2025. A couple of things I want to um, uh, mention referencing that um, before we grab a couple of quick calls. So the advisory board uh, includes some groups that you know some of you have heard of and some of you haven't. 
the American Center for Law and Justice, which is a, you know, these are a lot of shadow groups that have been created with corporate money. I was saying to Henry during the break that you got to pay attention to this because the shadow money is coming from big organizations that want to keep the status quo when it comes to who's in, in charge of those organizations. I mean, there are only two women that are part of the, um, the mandate for leadership uh, officials and advisors from a Trump administration that are part of this group. Only two women. That tells you a lot right there. And only one of the men is African-American, and that's Ben Carson, and some would question that. But that being said, the names like Ken Cuccinelli, um, uh, Peter Navarro, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, um, Stephen Miller. These are names that are retreads from the Trump administration that are that are part of this um uh, the leading leading voices of this organization, and they've got a number of of um, you know just names that are thrown together because they got some funding because they're you know five, probably listed as five hundred one three C groups, the Heartland Institute, Heritage Foundation. Uh, let's see what we got here. The Institute for Energy Research is probably Henry. That's probably three guys sitting in an office, you know, about the size of this studio. That they've got their registration there in, in, in either um, the District of Columbia or in, in Maryland or, or in Northern Virginia. And it's three guys. They got a $15 million budget because some corporation decided to contribute to that organization so they didn't have a tax write off. Mm-hmm. So that business could, could fund an organization using the tax system to fund the organization so they wouldn't have to pay a certain amount of corporate taxes or a better position, increase the wages of their employees. So they'd rather give $15 million to fund a shadow organization that's got three dudes sitting in an office where they've now got a $15 million budget to run around and, and create havoc rather than helping their corporation do better by paying their employees better. That's how this works, y'all. In case you didn't know, that's exactly how it works. You can put you. I I I I challenge anybody to pull up any of the organizations that are part of the advisory board members, and look and see where their funding came from. And I'm going to bet sixty seventy percent of those organizations are funded by corporate tax dollars, by corporations that won't pay their their employees more. They won't make sure that they've got the proper kinds of care, but they darn sure make sure that these groups are funded to make sure those corporations stay in power. Okay? That's the truth. That's just how it works. So you got to pay attention to that stuff. Let me grab a quick couple of calls. We got my man Jim from Chicago. My 38, my, 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 my old my Saturday night special carrying Jim from Chicago. What's going on, man? Good morning. I, 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 I'm drifting back to a more tranquil time when I. The only time I heard the word Trump was in various card games I played, <laughs> and uh, and and I never, you know, in Fox News was uh, I, I didn't seen that nightmare. I never seen that nightmare. Anyway, what I speculated about is what is the party? What's the Grand Old Party going to look like after Trump? Well, listen. Are they, they going to just be the tax cut? Are they going to be the tax cut happy party? Yeah. That, uh, wants to suppress women, fifty uh, percent of our population. They're already there. And arrest women. And uh, I know they're there, but I mean, are they going to continue along those lines? Or, or L- well, listen. This this is it's a great question, Jim. This is my observation. Many of us have been saying Trumpism. Trumpism is bigger than Trump. 
Because listen, I mean, this is, let's just play this. Let's game this out. Uh, he doesn't get ele- uh, elect- reelected, and he's still going to be a voice. He's still going to be a loud voice. The only thing that's going to reduce the loudness of the voice is if he gets uh, convicted and imprisoned. MAGA will still be there. MAGA will not be as impactful because they're going to follow him. He's no longer relevant as a candidate. So let's play that. Let's game that out. The new voices are already trying, they're clamoring for attention. And we see that with this primary. We see it with Ron DeSantis, whose political career may be short, um, just like he is. Uh, <laughs> Henry and I can say that as, as being over six footers. But, um, you know, we've got the voices like the Nikki Haley's. I mean, Nikki Haley is going to keep yelling and screaming and denying that there's racism. She, hell, she probably denies that there's sexism, candidly. But there's going to be, Jim, to answer your question as best I can, there are going to be furthering voices of Trumpism. They've are, I mean, the J.D. Vances of the world, all these, these, these folks that are out there now are clamoring for that spotlight. The Vivek Ramaswamis, they're not going to go away. They may not be the head of the party, but they're going to be a part of the voices that will continue this craziness. That is the reason, though, Jim, why we have to pay attention to shadow groups that are coming out of the shadows like Project 2025. I kid you not. I agree. I agree, Richard. And you have a great morning, and thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Have a great day, Jim. Thanks for calling in. Um, yeah, Jim's my buddy. I like to tease him because uh, when he tells stories about back in the day, I think he's in his mid to, mid seventies, early to mid seventies. He talks about back in his younger days when he used to be out and about, and uh, the the days when he when he carried a when he when he had a uh, he had a, had a had a gun in his car. And he just, he tells some great stories about some of his bar fights and a few other things. So I'm always going to give Jim his flowers because he's a he's a great guy and he's a great supporter of our progressive conversation. So listen, guys, um, I want to kind of, I, I mentioned this briefly when Karen was on about um, one of these shadow groups. And my goal today was to talk about this um, because I was looking up this group called America First, American First Legal. And it is a um, group that's headed by Stephen Miller, uh, the, the former Trump sycophant. I guess he still is a sycophant, but he's former in terms of being an advisor in the White House. Um, and it's designed to remove laws that protect diversity by taking the position that um, white men are discriminated against when diversity is in place. Let that, let that settle in for a second. Their goal, American First Legal, is to remove laws that protect diversity by taking away the position, by taking the position, I should say, that white men are discriminated against when diversity is in place. Okay. When you think about that for a second, now I can't say on the air without there some, being some repercussions and retribution for what goes through my mind. But there is a commonly used acronym that begins with the letter S and ends with the letter U that I want to say to this, that white men are discriminated against when diversity is in place. It sounds to me like, more like, the um, 
there's a little bit of fragility going on there. There's a little bit of fecklessness going on there. I know we're coming up on a break, and I'm going to hit hit this break, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. But um, again, I'm going to say this. It's designed to remove laws that protect diversity by taking the position that white men are discriminated against when diversity is in place. So, when we come back, we'll, di- we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. We're going to grab a couple calls. This is Richard Chu. This is Chu's Views. The number is 773-763-9278. We will be right back. It's Chu's Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820. Chicago's progressive talk. So, guys, as I was saying before the break, um, we've got these um, groups that are so worried about progress are so worried about their place in in the country right now that they're creating these, you know, legal groups and these other um, shadow groups and these other advisory groups that are funded, and you can look it up, that are funded by corporate tax dollars that are going, rather than, you know, um, paying a higher amount in tax or paying their employees better, businesses that are funding these groups to keep themselves in power. By having these advocacy groups, and they're not just—they're not lobbying groups necessarily. They're advi- they call themselves advisory groups or advisory boards um, or think tanks um, that are, you know, able to receive these dollars to keep themselves moving forward. Now, when I talked about this before, and I read um, the the statement that this group, American First Legal, is simply trying to to remove—they're um, designed to remove laws that protect diversity. By taking the position that white men are discriminated against when diversity is in place, let that sink in. And I'm talking to African Americans, Hispanics, Asians, uh, uh, those who who've migrated to the country for to come to as a uh, for for better opportunity. And I'm talking to women, specifically white women. Okay, look, I don't I don't pull any punches when it comes to this because I'm the dude that's going to step to the front of the line when some stuff goes down. So I don't have to apologize for calling out um, my own, if you will. And my own happens to be the diversity of our community. So I'm going to call out black folks. I'm going to call out Hispanic folks, Asian folks, uh, folks that have migrated here for a better a better opportunity. I'm calling out women of, of all communities. And I'm calling out all religions. Because my father taught me a lesson a long time ago. And, mo- and people that know me will, will tell you. When something happens, one of the, the, the first thing that I typically do, and you can ask 10 people that know me, Richard will first go to, first will look in the mirror and go, what did I do to potentially affect the scenario? I know that as part of how I live. So I don't have to check to see, oh, you know, my kind of thing. No, I, I will tell you, people that know me, I'll go, well, yeah, he does kind of see, like, what did he do first? Now, there's a little bit of ego in this, and I'm just going to be honest. Part of the reason that I do that is my father said to me years ago, check yourself before you check anybody else. Because once you've done that, and you know your house is clean, then you can take full bore against the things that you are, are, are concerned about. And it empowers me to then be able to support the positions that we need to be as progressive liberal Democrats supporting. So we have to pay attention to these kinds of groups because they're coming for your stuff. And tomorrow I'm going to lean into some things that have been been out there for a while that I'm that I'm I've been very 
Um, I haven't spoken too much about on the family meeting a little bit, but I'm going to speak to them about, we're going to speak uh, to those, a couple of these items tomorrow when it comes to voting and, um, registration. And as Karen talked about making sure your, your, uh, registration's on point, but I'm going to talk about this from a different, a slightly different, um, position and kind of in, in the faces of a lot of people that are talking about how they're not going to vote in the 2024 election. So prepare yourselves. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the Biden administration. We're going to talk about voting and we're going to talk about how um, some folks need a little bit of a wake up call. Or as my mother used to say, we're going to have to pull your, we have to pull your skirt a little bit. Um, so brace yourselves for tomorrow because I'm going to bring it. That being said, uh, we've got a couple of folks who are waiting on hold. And I got to talk to my man, Dave from Hoffman Estates, who's wide awake this morning. Dave, good morning. How are you? What's going on? Well, top of the morning, Richard. Uh, yeah. Hey. Also, um, the, uh, like if you point that finger of blame, remember there's three pointing back at you. There it is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you called it, Dave. That's exactly right. What you got uh, for me this well, morning? Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the last hour, you mentioned about that uh, Ronna McDaniel, where <laughs> you had, had her, you know, pull her name of uh, Romney off, of, you know, for Trump, you know, because of Trump, more or less. Right. Well, if you recall, back when Trump was president, and he was over in Japan that time, and uh, the, the aircraft carrier, whatever, USS John McCain. Right. They made him pull that thing out of sight and have the guy, sailors put pipes over the name because mm-hmm. he couldn't stop the guy. Yep. You know, pretty interesting. Well, but, I mean, um, it, it, it's, I said to Henry yesterday um, after you called in, I said the thing that I love about Dave is he, he brings he brings uh, a, a, an interesting view. I don't, and, and I almost slipped and said counter because the counter is not the right word. But I, I love your observation about how people don't pay attention to thir- other, the other part of the conversation. And that's a compliment to you, Dave, but you're right. I mean, that's not the only time that, that, um, being close to Trump or being in Trump's world, um, you know, he's been an advocate of taking away, uh, the name and just McCain in and of itself was something that he couldn't stomach. Yeah. Well, I've always you know, stated, I've been a middle of the road or with a left lead. Yeah. No, I'm not. And you need me up there. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't go for 50. Keep you guys in line. You know, and, uh, I can handle it. I mean, you know, I appreciate that. My father used to say to me, like I said earlier, you heard what I said about my dad. He was always like, listen, you know, it's easy to navigate from the middle of the road. That doesn't mean you don't take a position on things, but you can see both sides when you're standing in the middle of the road. And it stayed with me. Um, and it, it, it empowers me, in fact, to be able to take the positions that I do take and be pragmatic because that allows us to get more stuff done. So I appreciate your, your observations, Dave. I really do. Yeah. Well, like I say, my parents were both of the Depression era and stuff like that. And they, they idolized and loved FDR. Yeah. So that's where I get the last lean from. But, I mean, I try to look at, like, it was told a long time ago, too. Like, no matter how thin you slice a piece of bread, there's always two sides to it. So. Yep. Yeah, try to look at that, but I most of my stuff has usually been democratic and that. But and um, closing kind of quickly, uh, you mentioned some of this heritage foundation and that. Right. I don't know. I was just reading something the other day 
where they were grading our military. Mm-hmm. And it was graded weak, as I mentioned on one of the other shows. You know, the recruitments are down. And if you think about these guys that have been getting sent to the Mideast, you know, they're all uh, reservists, National Guard. And in fact, our own National Guard, about two, three weeks ago, about 300 of them got sent over that way. And uh, earlier this week, Minnesota sent send out 550 of their National Guard yeah. over there. And uh, to me, this is nothing more than a backdoor draft because they can't get, you know, the, the recruits to sign up yet. You know, I mean, they would... Navy and Air Force have raised the age limit to 41 and 42, respectively, you know? So, yeah, and I've been paying attention to that. And, and Dave, thanks for for uh, for bringing that 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 bit of information and um, on on the subject of our military. Listen, our military has been slowly going down in in an enrollment, if you will, since Bush won. A lot of people don't know that have not been paying attention to that. This didn't just start in the last five years. I've, granted, it has increased or escalated, if you will, in terms of the numbers going down. But let me be, let me be perfectly clear. It's been going on since Bush uh, one was in office. And there are some specific, there's some things that have happened that have caused it to be that way. And one of them is something that we don't talk a lot about when it comes to warfare. Um, warfare is dirty, and we've been in the in, in three, if you will, kerfuffles, wars since 1992, 1990 for sure. You know when we invaded, um, when we went into Kuwait, and all the men and women that have that have been damaged from a result of that. You know the Iraq Afghanistan war, another you know just awful scenario. What President Obama had to do, what President Trump had to do, it's all part of the fact that we have seen more and more of our younger men and women be less inclined to go to war. And at the same time... Richard, I beg to differ with you on that one. But before you do... Before you do... With Ronald Reagan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, It goes back further. I would agree. Um, And I'm putting it on on where I can define wars in relationship to um, uh, generational shift. So I'm with you on that. I don't need to be right about that because at the end of the day, the subject is that the numbers are going down. But the other part of it Mm -hmm. is that we are taught that we that doesn't get talked about a lot is that war has become more technologically driven. Military engagement has become more technologically driven. So that's contributed to it as well as we have a generational shift in the mindset of those who would become enrolled in the military on the left and the right and in the middle politically. So that's those two things have impacted it. But we cannot leave off the table how technology has changed the way in which we are in military engagements. And as a result, the the part that doesn't get talked about a lot is that the numbers of on-the-boots solders has gone down because of that. That's a fact. So they they both... You're correct, though, right? After Desert Storm, it did drop. It dropped significantly. And the ironic thing, back when... uh, 
the Bush the second came in, they're the ones that started the you know uh, stuff with the, the reservists and stuff like that. But, yep. Uh, and guys have been going overseas more. So I mean, you know, they were going to allow these people to get the outs like the guys of his generation did during Vietnam. There you go. Remember when they joined that guard and yep. yeah, they didn't pretty much have to worry about going in. You know. Yeah, I mean that's like the bad the, that, that's why it's important to look at the shift generationally as well, um, as well as what you've said. I agree with you, and you know it's a great point to to be made. So, you know, thanks thanks again, Dave. We're going to jump to another quick call. Have a great day yeah, today, and stay safe. All right, I love uh, you know that's what I said I said about Dave, and I'll say it on and on, again and again of his. You know, he peeks around the corner like I do. Like, what else is around there? What's going on? So. Dave, have a fantastic day today. Um, let's uh, let's take a quick break, Henry. Uh, the number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. This is Richard Chu, and this is Chu's Views. We'll be right back. You're listening to Chu's Views with Richard Chu on WCPT eight twenty, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, hey, guys! Thanks for tuning in this morning. This is Richard Chu, uh, and I'm hosting my own show known as Chu's Views. How about that for some fun this morning? Uh, my man Henry and I were, as we do, we were we were chopping it up about the weather, and we're just thankful that it isn't cold as hell right now here in Chicago. So, um, I um, I want to give a couple shout outs uh, to folks that I that I know are, are listening uh, to us this morning. Um, if you are on social media, uh, if you follow me on on uh, Twitter, or if you follow me on Instagram, or even on LinkedIn, and you and you follow the show, listen to the show. Do me a solid, and you've got my email address. It's um, you 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 see my email address, and you got me on social media. But reach out to me and give and let me know um when you're listening because I want to give you a shout out. I know it's a it's not easy to to be listening to a show at six seven you know eight o'clock in the morning, but I appreciate that. So a couple shout outs to um to um. Indy Armour, who's checking us out, and my girl Reese, who's in D.C., checking us out, and my, my guy Paul, um, and, and Magic Man, a few of you who are following us on on uh, social media. So I greatly appreciate that. Um, and you know, it's it's uh, it goes without saying as we talk about some a little bit of calling folks out, if you will. Um, Congressman from California, Robert Garcia. Um, you, you guys may have seen this or heard about this, but I'll I'll, I'll repeat it. He was um, he was not to be held down if, uh, with his voice because he definitely hit back at um, Large Marge. Kind of hit her right in the kisser for running out of the uh, uh, congressional house meeting the other day, uh, and basically paralleled that to you had the nerve to say that that Hunter Biden doesn't have. Uh, or you, you along with uh, Nancy Mace, didn't have the cojones to to sit through the craziness of that that open testimony. And once once uh, Marge got got challenged on some of her stupidity the other day, she got up and left, and he definitely put it to her. Another one that I thought was well, well was well done is you guys may recognize this name, Michael Fanone. Uh, hopefully, I'm pronouncing it correct. Pronouncing it correctly, he's a former D.C. Uh, metropolitan um, police officer, and um, he slapped down the Republicans, House Republicans, this week for their you know unwillingness. Basically, they're they're riding the fence again on if 
if the January 6th insurrection and riot was an actual insurrection and riot, because they're still riding the fence as we get closer to this this um, this trial for Trump, that it was, you know, some casual pedestrians checking out the Capitol building. So I love it when folks are, are willing to um, to really put it to the politicians, some of them in their own in their own caucus um, when they say something stupid or when they are wishy-washy on issues. Um, talking a little bit about our federal government and something that I'm going to, you know, um, not so much criticize President Biden for, but just give him a little bit of a push on this one. So um, my uh, my wife and I sent some thank you cards to some relatives uh, from holiday gift timing and all that stuff. You know, we're all of us are trying. My wife and I still are, like many of you, a little bit of old school. We like to send out thank you cards. I send them out to my 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 financial uh, clients and, and for my for my business. Um, and you know, my wife is always leading the charge of sending them out to individuals, families, and friends when we get a gift from somebody. And I I highly recommend that folks do that because we all like to get something in the mail. But but doggone it, we like to get it in the mail or know that it was received. My we sent. Thank you cards to my niece and to my niece's um, um, mother-in-law and father-in-law, thanking them for some gifts that we received during the holidays. They just got them, Henry. We sent these cards out right after the new year. My, my wife is on point about getting those things out. She will hand them to me and say, "Make sure you mail this." It's our. She's already got a stamp on it. It's already. It, it, there's nothing. It's a, it's a no-brainer move for me. I just get to the office. I put them in the mail. Boom, done. I know I did it, but two weeks ago, we were talking with my niece who's down in Dallas. Uh, her husband, she and her husband and daughter live in Dallas. And we were, her mother-in-law contacted me and said, did you guys get the gifts that we sent you? And we're like, yeah, we got them. We sent thank you cards. So my niece said, well, we haven't, we, nobody got them yet. So we were like, all right. Finally, last Saturday, I got a text from my niece saying, um, we got our thank you card, meaning her and her husband got the thank you card that we sent them. But her her mother her mother in law and father in law hadn't gotten theirs yet. So we're like, what the heck? Where am I going with this? Yes, this is a dotted line Richard Chu moment. So I was looking at some of the concerns that many Americans are having right now, as it comes to as we're leading into this next election and the, an election cycle. And it was that's a, just just goes to show you how how fast time goes by. So during the 2020 election, one of the big concerns was we were in the midst of the pandemic, and how people were going to be able to get out to vote, which meant that the increase in mail-in ballots took off. Trump was pushing back on that because he knew why that was going to be not. To his favor, but ironically, he and many other Republicans—that's how they vote—was via the mail. So there's obviously some hypocrisy and contradiction there. We all knew it and saw it. But there's so many people who vote by mail, and we saw that that was one of the tipping point issues as to why they wanted to say that the election was stolen. But in that conversation, you guys, there is a person that's a tipping point name as to what did happen, and the impact of that. And that person's name is Louis DeJoy. He is 
the head of the U.S. Postal Service. And candidly, I have to say this, President Biden and the administration, Louis DeJoy needs to go. Tom Hartman's been, been preaching about this and many other progressive voices have. He needs to go, not because of how it's going to impact voting during the election, by voting by mail during the election, but he needs to go because everyday mail is an atrocity right now. It's a disaster all over the country. It's a disaster. He wants to privatize the Postal Service so, so that some of his cronies, probably some of these fools that are, pro, that are part of Project 2025, can take it over. That's where he's going with this. Okay? That, that's a problem. But the bigger problem is just folks getting their mail every day. And the post, off bo- the post boxes that are going away. And the number of people that are now being relegated to having to walk or go or drive to the post office to drop off mail. Now, I have a little bit of a conspiratorial thought about that, and I'll try to get to that before we hit the break. But this, the mechanism is fairly easy. President, a president gets to appoint the Postal Service Board of Governors or members of that. He gets, and so there's two vacancies right now. He has to appoint those people immediately. So come on, President Biden, you're my boy, but you got to step up there. He needs to appoint them now so that they can then vote to get rid of DeJoy. I mean, he needs to do it quick, fast for two, re- for, you know, two or three reasons. One, it needs to be done. Secondly, as it relates to this upcoming election and the order that needs to be established for this vote. And third, because everyday folks are not getting their mail. So, President Biden... I know you're listening. I know you just got up. It's coming up on nine o'clock there in D.C. You just got your work done on your on your Peloton and and uh, and um, and and you you got to kind of get downstairs and get in the office. So I know you got it on your on your uh, iPad and you're listening to me as you're making your way down from the residence. So come on, man. I know you're listening. You don't need to call in. I know you're busy. You got stuff to take care of today, but you need to get rid of the joy. It needs to happen quick, fast because. Um, his objectives are not what I would call forward thinking for the country. My feeling because like a lot of people in New York are complaining about this um, because of how their where their post office boxes are. And it's happening here in Chicago, too. The lines at the post office have gotten out of hand because there are less post boxes for people to do it, just drop off mail. Why do you need to go to the post office to drop off mail? That's what the boxes are for. Tidy up the boxes. I mean, and so this is going to be one of those shifts of budget from Richard Chu. If we can spend all this money going to other places, let's start with our defense, going back to what Dave was kind of talking about. We can spend a little bit of money. We can adjust the budget a little bit to make sure that our postal service is running more efficiently. I sure as heck do not want to see that get privatized. And I don't want folks to have to go into the post office to drop off five letters. Post boxes have worked. The technology doesn't need to take that over. Right. Right. Henry. I mean, listen, um, it, it, it just doesn't. I, I, I almost went down a dark path, but I won't do that this morning. Fix, fix the system, President Biden. It's not complicated. It really is. not change the leadership. And then from that, you can change the direction of the Postal Service. And it's time for Lewis DeJoy to go. So I, I'll, I'll stop there for now because I know I could easily get into the dark corners of why I think they want to try to get people into the post office because it's a retail location and they can get people to buy stuff 
And the other side of it is they can track people's activity because post offices are secured buildings and they have, you know, they have security cameras. That's my, that's my, the evil side of my thinking about why they want folks to come in because they want people to buy stuff that's there. They got all those gift cards that are on those, those, um, those standards, standards. People then are, are, are seduced into point of purchase uh, spending, and it's it lends itself to people being recorded. So that's me. All right, we're going to take a quick break. 773-763-9278. It's Choose Views. We'll be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. And we are back, guys. Thanks for hanging with us this morning. Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, jump right on a quick call that we've got uh, as we wrap up this show and land this plane. Bob, calling from the 219. What's going on? Welcome. How are you? Good morning from beautiful downtown Otis, Indiana. <laughs> uh, uh, the dot on the map that everybody drives around. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, man. Uh, I noticed you had uh, James this morning already and Dave. Yeah. And, uh, young man, I got to tell you, you are quick in less than a week. You have made it. You have arrived because I just happened to be listening in the other morning. And I said, my God, he's already got a call from President Roosevelt there on the south side. <laughs> and uh, you, you took him away from passing New Deal legislation just to call you <laughs> and congratulate you on your new show. So uh, My you, man. Can't get any, uh, you can't go any higher than that. <laughs> so you are, you're, you're an established fact. And, uh, you know, I've been listening when I could uh, from time to time to you and uh, General Grant on Sunday. And uh, <laughs> that's when I first uh, First, uh, you know, heard, heard you, and then on uh, filling in on Joan's show, and I said, now here's a guy that uh, is articulate, far more than I could ever be, has his head screwed on right, and uh, even a few times I don't necessarily agree with him. I'll say, but you know, he's got a point. So so you can't, uh, you, uh, you usually hit it right out of the park, like today with the post office, uh, uh, <laughs> you, Bob, Bob, you, Bob, you're about to cuss. I think I felt it in my bones. You're about to let one fly, my man. <laughs> well, didn't you, hey, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't you earlier say something about two letters uh, on the one on the front and one on the end? Oh, absolutely, I did. You heard me correct. I, and you and the other ones in the middle are you know uh, T and and F. So yeah, Bob, yeah, you're right yeah, on point. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I had a, I had a hunch. You know, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm one of the dimmer bulbs in the string. But I had a hunch that I said, hey, I think I know where this guy's going. <laughs> and uh, I, I, but I better stay off of that street. But anyway, uh, but hey. yeah, I mean, uh, it's just like uh, this past week, uh, I sent out a, a priority mailer. And those things are almost $10. Mm-hmm. Now, way back in like 1932 or when they started those, it was like two-day delivery. Yep. Now it's five. I know. It's crazy. Can you eat a five? I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You're paying as much or more. 
<laughs> and it's know, taking longer period taking, of time. Yeah. And it's taking a longer period of time. It's, you know, that it's crazy. They're following the, the rule, uh, you know, like you, you, you get the, the big Hershey bar, but it's only, uh, it's so flattened out. It's just a wrapper, you know. You thought you got a Hershey bar, but it was a Hershey kiss. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Bob, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent, hundred percent. No, no, no. And I appreciate that because this is a this is a consumer issue. This happened. This affects all of us, and in terms of the mail, it, it, it impacts all of us. And I, and I I really wanted to address that. I'm going to continue to lean into it because this is one where the president can actually have. Um, you know, direct impact through the through the administration and the administration's impact on local markets. I've really, really looked well, at I'm gonna, this. I'm going to well, use that call in line to the White House, and yeah. um, I think I'm going to mention that today. You, you put a bug in me. Good. So, I'm so I think I'll put a bug, bug into them. Bug yeah, that way. I'm going to yeah. keep leaning you know, into another it. thing about that too. Uh, we have a, a, a great big post office in downtown Michigan City yep. that I use from time to time. They pulled up all but one of the outside box drop-off boxes. Sure did. I was there at Christmas time. The funny thing, this is the crazy thing about what you just said, Bob. That post office that you're talking about in Michigan City, I actually used. That's the irony of, what you, of this. That's the post office that I used to send the box that I sent to my niece, nephew, and and um and my my the her in laws. I used that post office box. I know exactly where you're talking about. It's crazy. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little secret, which won't be a secret when I tell you. <laughs> I live. I live halfway between Michigan City, and I don't know if you ever heard of the the uh, giant metropolis of Westville. Westville. Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I use the Westville Post Office whenever I can because it's easy parking. Yep. Pardon me, and you can usually go right in and get what you want done. Nice, friendly people, and get out. Yep. And there's usually no lines or any problem. But uh, yeah, well, I go to po- I go to Podunkville because Michigan City. They, Getting crazy. The staff is usually only one or two people in there. Yeah, me too. Bob, I got to jump. I got to grab two quick calls before we wrap it up for the day. But you better call us back. Have a good one. Have a great one, Bob. Thanks for support. Appreciate it. Henry, let's uh, let's see what uh, my man Al has to say real quick before we wrap up. Al, what's going on? Project 2025, what you got to say? Oh, good morning. Um, hi, I wanted to go back. Uh, to what you were saying about the 2025 project and bring up the word projection. You know, a lot of uh, what they want to do, they are accusing the Democrats of doing right now. Yep. And and uh, it's it's a word we don't talk about it so much. You know, they talk about CRT and and uh, voter suppression and uh, weaponizing the DOJ and all these things that you know they they they're actually doing and they're uh, once again uh, uh, trying to accuse the Democrats of doing them all and and uh, it just. Uh, uh, is endless. Yeah, Al. Listen, man. I'm gonna. I, I, I'm not pushing you, but you are spot on. We're gonna keep talking about this because it's a hugely important subject. 
Uh, but I'm glad you were able to see through the projection part because it's a funny thing you said. It. I jotted that down in my notes when Karen was talking. As I remember, yeah, that's exactly what is happening. But Al, have a great day today. Keep supporting us. We're going to keep supporting you and bringing these issues to the table, and we really appreciate your support. Uh, thank you. We'll be talking to you. All right, man. Thanks. Well, say, Brian. What's going on, Brian? Where are you calling from? Uh, good morning. I'm calling from uh, Naperville. Naperville. What's going on? The Dirty 630. That's right. The nap. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, I, I heard you guys talking about the post office. I'm actually a letter carrier for the post office. My and, man. Um, My man. I wanted to make a quick comment. Um, yeah, there's definitely um, been some uh, issues Um mostly with management uh, of the post office, and I know uh, DeJoy has really been trying to consolidate a lot of the processing centers uh, for, you know, quote-unquote efficiency or whatnot. Uh, Right, Um, right. But, you know, it it does seem to have created some delays with, like, priority mail kind of stuff. Um, I mean, for the most part, everything seems to be getting done through just fine, but you know, also with staffing, um, you know, they're having a hard time holding on to people. Yeah. Um, just because of how it's run. Um, newer employees, they have a, a tiered system of, of, of employees. You know, they've got these things called city carrier assistants. Right. They're like the most exploited workers. And you've got these part-time flex people. That's what I am. So it's like a career level, but it's still kind of, you're basically a CC with uh, career benefits. And, I mean, there's zero work-life balance. Um, you know, they get, we get sent out multiple times, you know, delivering other parts of routes. Um, you know, it, and it leads to, to issues of service and, yeah. you know, it breaks my heart because people deserve to get their mail. But, you know, it's just they got to do something about management and get that get that running again. Cause, I mean, Brian, I'm going to say a couple of things uh, real quick. First of all, yeah. Thank you for your service because um, we appreciate that and we respect what you do. I hate that they've been kind of, excuse the language, but pimping you guys out as it relates to these crazy shifts that you're on. I mean, I've seen it because I've talked to a couple people in my neighborhood about this. And the third thing that I'm going to say to you is I am going to be an advocate of this in terms of President Biden leaning in hard to get uh, get these two uh, uh, board, board of governors in place so they can get rid of DeJoy because it, yeah. it is a managerial issue and it's it's some this is one of those it's coming from the top because I've really kept my eyes on this one for a while but Brian I appreciate your work we really do we support you here at CPT um, thank you for giving yeah. us a call and, and don't don't be a stranger man give us a call back anytime you got something and keep us posted on what's happening within the, within your work because that's important but stay safe today and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye now. I mean, that's, that. we, we want to hear that kind of, of on-the-ground uh, conversation. Listen, guys, coming up next is the Stephanie Miller Show. Stay tuned for my girl. She's going to have a number of great folks on, as always, Dana Goldberg, Dr. Erwin Redletter. Stay tuned for uh, Tom Hartman and Joan this afternoon. We are wrapping up today's show. Choose Views, 773-763-9278. Give us a call. We love having you guys as part of the team. Have a great day.